Good evening, Patriots. And it is Friday, April 1st in the year 2022. If you're on the East Coast, I guess now you're on the second day of April. And from wherever else you are around the world, welcome. Before we begin, just a quick message on your immune system and health. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune system strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. You know, I spent um, in and out of my day of interviews and research and so forth. I spent the time in the garden today just getting in a whole bunch of more plants. And we've had some cold weather lately, um, kind of unexpected, but it's it's that way in Oregon between the official last freeze date or frost date, which is May or March 15th, to probably mid-April. It gets a little touchy. And what's, what we did get hit with was a pretty good snap freeze about 10 days ago that wiped out, oh, I'm trying to think, I guess it was about 30 um, bush bean plants that I had planted, which I'll get restarted this weekend. <clears throat> but everything else from the last night, we had a kind of a cold night, but everything went fine. But So I spent the day working in a, a garden bed, and it's the lower bed that I have that it's uh, probably needed it needed quite a bit of work, and I built it up tremendously from where it was last year. And last year was a pretty productive year on the bed. And so today I was able to get in about 22 kale plants and about 24 tomato plants, and I'll finish it out tomorrow with another 10 or 12 plants, and it'll be done. And it's just the process I was going through today where we're just paying attention to the the whole piece of gardening. Obviously, I mean, I hope you do this because this is one of the best ways to ensure success is to start your seeds, hopefully indoors or in a hothouse, and getting them going in starters. Some people go two steps on that. Some people take the seeds, get them going in starters, and then put them into a second planting to grow them up pretty significantly. I tend not to do that. I take the seeds, let them grow to a decent size, and then get them in the ground as soon as I can. 
after they spend about three or four days outside getting acclimated before I drop them right into the soil. But the soil is so much the foundation of everything that's going to be a success or failure. And when you're, I love the process of the seed, which is the sowing of the seed and literally putting it into the earth and seeing what comes of it. And then when we take the plant out to see how much is actually developed. And so a lot of these starters that I had have a couple seeds in them. So the roots tend to intertwine and it's right then when you have to literally slow down a lot and you have to take your time to carefully, not abusively, but carefully work the soil out of the, of the roots delicately kind of vibrate, separate them so that the roots untangle from each other. And it's, what's really amazing is how much strength there is actually in roots if we yank them with full force, it just guts them. And that pretty much ends the plant right there. And it's also the selection process because of going through and making the decision of certain plants are just not going to survive or don't have as much chance of surviving because of their size but or because of other things going on and then maybe the root system is poorly developed. Maybe there's some rot going on or maybe there's just a, a weakness somewhere. Maybe there are signs of disease. So we're, we're doing some hand selecting as we do that. And we put the plants in the ground and kind of let them then find their way. And it's really a big mystery in a certain sense of setting the plants in and then seeing what, what happens overnight. Because typically there's a little bit of a sag off as they get go through an initial shock of being into their new soil. But it doesn't last long because most of that sag off is when they, the roots are trying to embed themselves into this new nutrient-rich environment. And hopefully it is nutrient-rich. And it takes, doesn't take long before they spring back. That space of life where we go with gardening is a general pace of which we don't do very much. We work in a very fast-paced world. And we're swirling around with a lot of insanity. And it's really a strange world that we're in right now it would be an understatement. When we start to look at how much emphasis is being placed on the me and the identity of me, how important it has become to be identified as something other than what God created you as. And when you're dealing with plants and animals, but since we're talking about plants tonight, there is no confusion on that. There is no confusion in a plant. Its life is very simple. It sprouts, it has seeds. It sprouts from the seeds, it has roots. You put the roots in the ground, it grows, it bears fruit. Some plants will have a male and female side. And trees are that way, like hazelnuts need a male and a female. Or they need a, they need a pollinator, I should say. They need two of them to pollinate, cross-pollinate where like a uh, the pear tree that we have doesn't need that. So you have a real clear understanding in nature of what the identity is and what the purpose is. Plants are not growing up protesting that they're going to have to bear fruit. The plants don't grow up arguing that they need to be gender neutral or that they need to be sterilized or that they need to have their capability of having fruit cut out of them. Plants don't struggle with any of those things that humans do. 
and I think a lot of where we've arrived, and, and I'll be very honest, this, this after a while, and I think we all feel it, the stupidity of the world gets to be where it's even hard to look at it anymore. It's been kind of my day today because stepping away into the garden and enjoying what God created in a really spectacular way and watching the miracle of the soil, which I, I very much enjoy watching soil transform. And to just give you a little backstory, this garden that I have now, I built out last year. And it's, in my house, I have, I, there was a, an area where there was a lawn and a back hill where there was very, there was nothing growing. The lawn, in fact, had been years of a dead lawn and had turned into clay that was some of the hardest clay I've ever dug into. And so with each bed, and there's, I guess I have five beds now and plus a row of six, a six bed I created by using 100-gallon bags. And then I have two, four lower beds that we terraced into the side of the hill. But those five primary beds, each one of those beds took a process of almost two days to prepare each time. And brutal digging and literally breaking into clay that was at points as hard as, as concrete. And it just was a, and then with that, it's the digging, the breaking it up, and then the sifting of the soil to get rid of the real chunks and breaking down those chunks of clay so you can get into a fine powder. You have to use some of it. And then digging it up again, breaking it up, and then sifting it again. So a couple of times like that, and then adding your various levels of soil injects, like getting raised bed topsoil to put in there, and then raised bed topsoil and to get in some composting material in there so that the beds can start to have some life. And then that process begins, and you're re-stimulating the growth in the soil that for the most part is just a dead container. And in the process, going through and witnessing how much damage a lawn does to soil, because the lawn, when you put a lawn in, it only goes down about two inches, and nothing really grows. Lawns are just kind of a stasis issue. And to grow a garden, you need to have, you should have tilth down at least 12, if not 24 inches. So all of this work that I did last year, it's just really interesting to watch the miracle of that through this year when you can literally go through and tine the, the whole bed in a matter of, say, 15 minutes versus last year where it took literally two days to build up those beds. And that's really the miracle of life God gives us. So much of the problem that we have right now in our world is we are disconnected from the world itself. And we've become a world that enjoys worrying more about what color flag that I paint my hair and what earring I'm going to stick through my nose and what gender I'm going to not define myself as and what pronoun I'm going to say I can't stand and what pronoun I can use. Because in this world that we're currently in, the, the religion of me has become predominant. And the religion of me is Satan's trick. And right now, Satan's on a full court press. 
And everything that is out here is all about exposing Satan's rule to confuse everything. We have some sort of binary X offering of our, everything about our nation. A binary X offering for our passports is now coming in. The AG Garland, who's a communist freak, has said he's going to defend the rights of children's transgender rights. You have all of this corruption. Disney's out on full court press. And if we peel back the layer of that onion, what we find is most of what they're arguing for is pedophilia. So I go back to the garden and I look for an example of a plant version of pedophilia. You're going to look a long time. You're not going to find it. I'm not going to say you won't find it. I'm sure some moron will come up and find some screwed up plant gene that tries to prove the point because that's what especially LGBTQ nuts try to do. And they do that because they're so insecure of themselves because they have fallen so far away from their relationship with God. Yeah, I can already hear heads exploding if this was literally them because they would be like, what are you talking about? I'm a proud atheist or whatever they're going to say. Not realizing that it's that separation that when we make that separation away from God, that we open the door for these sort of dark influences to start start taking seed into our brains and, in, and into our hearts. And in doing so, we have put ourselves in a place of vulnerability. Now, the extreme of this is the LGBTQAI plus nonsense. But that's something we have to all really reflect on. And that's another thing I was thinking about today. It's like, what about a world where we're at where we just don't spend much time putting our hands in the earth. What about a world where we're at, where we don't take time to care for what's under our feet? And that's what the world is that we're in right now. We're more concerned about Ukraine and Hunter Biden's laptop and Pisaki taking a position in MSNBC and whatever else garbage you want to dig up. We're more concerned about that than we are tending to the world that God gave us to steward. And it, and I'm looking at this and I'm asking myself, okay, well, Father, what, what exactly are you showing me? And this is where it gets fairly profound. Because I don't know, in all the things that we do, and we do a lot to try to keep ourselves healthy, we do a lot to try to keep ourselves spiritually strong, we do a lot to in prayer and those are all positive yet I don't know that it's as difficult as we make it because when we start to deeply in, interact with the, with the earth as a living entity because it is it has life and what's even more is a symbiotic relationship between us and earth is very real you kill off the earth the soil we die Unless you want to start, I mean, there's a certain terminal point that there's no recovery from because you can't survive without the soil being alive. Now, that's really the WEF's model. 
Okay, the World Economic Forum's fourth industrial revolution's model is to quite literally destroy the earth and then to grow this junk in the labs, which they're going to call food, to try to feed the slave race, which is what we are in their eyes. Meaning keeping our calories low, keeping our nutrients low, keeping your brain energy low, keeping you on a lower frequency. That in the end, we aren't able to ever recover. And eventually we just die off. And those that survive have been hopefully, for their terms, been injected and controllable and transitioned from human to transhuman. That's essentially the model that we're in right now. And yet if we would spend time in the earth, putting our hands in the earth, touching the earth with our feet, and not just earth, but literally the earth that you're given, wherever that is. I know some people live in an apartment or they live in a, in a place with very, like maybe no backyard, maybe it's a condo. But you have to find these places. And you have to find these places to connect with God's earth. And that's where, in a simple sense, like just right out my studio door, right into the garden, that's what I was doing today. And I was being reminded about that. Not that I went out and said, I'm going to connect with the earth today, because I didn't. I went out in, in a purposeful intent to use my time to get these plants in the ground because it was we're in that planting time. And I want everything planted. I was trying to get it done last weekend, but with a cold that was coming in, I backed off a little bit. And so I'm, I'm going to have everything planted by this weekend so that by the first weekend, the beginning of the first week in April, things will start really growing. And that leaves room for some other expansion and some obviously trying to get about three crops in this year, which is fairly significant, but it's a good way to maximize what we have going on here in Oregon. But in the process, Father reminded me that how much healing there is in the earth. Last year when I went through the soil, it was hard and gritty. There was, even though I'd added a lot of compost and other things, it was still a clay under, underberry or underlayer, and it was pretty rough. And this year when I went through, I was, and I tined the, the beds again. I don't till, I tine, and I use what's called a broad fork, which I mentioned the other night, which is a fantastic company, by the way. And In, in fact, I'm going to be, um, we'll have their products available on our web new web store coming up, but that's Treadlight broad forks, tread light broad forks. Uh, they are a fantastic tool. I can't imagine gardening without one anymore. But anyway, that said, the whole idea is, is as we tend to these beds and these soils is to have as low an impact on them as possible and letting the, the natural tilth of the soil build in such a way that you can literally just plunge your hand in the ground and have that experience of literally just like your hand was a root and what it's like to have the soil wrap around it. Healthy soil is what we all live and breathe from. And that healing process when you're putting your hands into the soil isn't just the outcome of the plant, it's the physical interaction with it. And that's getting into our frequency. I know that some of this stuff is not very comfortable many times from a Christian position because the churches don't teach this. And quite frankly, I think that a lot of the problems that we have in our faith is that 
churches have created a measure of narrow-mindedness and dogma. They're not willing to talk about the places where real science can merge with amazing faith. One of those is frequency. One of those is vibration. One of those is energy. Those are principles. I, I know Tesla used those terms, but when we put those together with the glory of what Christ was showing us, it's really amazing. And we start to see, we start to appreciate the deeper healing powers and the greater gifts that God gave us, which is wisdom beyond our dreams. We are very centric on our formation in this earth right now, all of us to a certain degree. And there is some sort of bifurcation happening in the world, which we can see because the world that we're witnessing happening before us, which on one hand we struggle with, I think everybody does, frustration and pain to see this evil just rear its head and, and as if it's a normal. But there's, we also have to come to the understanding that there is no unity with that. And you're going to be sold this principle that we're supposed to unify with it. But that's like putting a plant, again, if we go back to the plant, and you're trying to plant the, put this plant in a hard clay soil. It's not going to grow well. You can try all you want. It's not going to grow well. And we have to have an appreciation that if we want to nurture our souls, we have to feed it with the foundations that give us that strength. In the, in the biblical sense, to use a passage, building our houses on sand will not stand where building your houses on a rock of faith will. The rock is probably not the right image for nurturing great roots, but nonetheless, I think we get the point. There has to be a fertileness in this, and that's very much like the sower of seeds, right? And what it is that when we have the seeds that take root, that fall on good soil and yield a crop, and then some yield 100, some yield 60, some yield 30 times as much. We have to be able to appreciate those passages in terms of how we live our life. If we're surrounded by this noise, which is unbearable at certain points right now, it is overwhelming how everywhere you turn and bump into, there is some sort of statement again about deconstructing and inverting the world that we hold sacred. Take a deep breath and ask yourself why it's happening. And it's happening because it's trying to get inside your head. So let's go back to the plant. Take a plant out of a small starter, and let's say you have two seeds that have sprouted. This is common for me because I don't I sell them except for beans. And the reason I do beans with one, I've learned the hard way. You put beans one in a in a starter container instead of two. I usually put a couple seeds in a starter container because it's fairly easy to separate them and you increase your chances of germination, not always knowing how the germination rate's going to be on your seeds. Beans are another subject because the bean stock is tends to be fairly delicate when it grows. When it, Even when the plant gets a bit big, there's a bit of a hollowness inside the beanstalk. So if you go to separate out two bean plants, it can, you can easily damage the stock. And, the, and it's very easy and very quick to damage that stock and then lose both plants. 
So I tend to seed one bean seed per starter thing and just take my chances and say hopefully most of them germinate. But if not, whatever doesn't, at least I just have one plant to plant. So it's a direct transplant from that starter ultimately into the ground. Right now, we are in a place where if you take these metaphors, we are our roots are intertwined with a bad plant. So here's another example. There is a particular weed that grows in my garden. It has little purple flowers. It looks nice. It's like a little ground cover. It looks actually pretty cool, except it's vicious. When you pull it up, the roots are deep. They're not shallow like a lot of weeds. They're deep, and they tend to get deep into and near the plants, and they will suck away nutrients and can even wrap around the plant's roots if left long enough. They're a very, it's, it's a very invasive weed that I take out immediately, and I still haven't figured out what it is. I just don't like it. Though it looks really nice. I'm hoping there's a better use for it. Because if God's put it there, then obviously perhaps there's a better use for it. Like maybe there's some additional things, but I would have to separate it and grow it somewhere else. But it tends to just grow wherever. But that's literally where we are right now. We're in a place at this moment where the weeds that we're dealing with, we're dealing with roots of a completely different species that are trying to wrap and intertwine itself with us and it's trying to suck us and suck our nutrients away to drain us down. And we're allowing that to happen to a certain degree because we're not tending to our own gardens. And that's the metaphor, is that we're not tending to our gardens to be able to keep the weed out of our garden that is trying to invasively penetrate its roots down and entangle itself around our nutrient base. And as that happens, what we're dealing with in this is we become weaker and the weed becomes stronger. So right now on a national level and a global level, this world of perverts is literally waging its war like spreading its weeds everywhere. And they really aren't that many of them. They're just really noisy. And their roots tend to quickly wrap around things. So they spread very quickly. Their roots spread. But there's not that many of the weeds. And the best part is, is that if we didn't listen to them and we ignored them, their roots just happen to be these sort of roots that don't really intertwine with us. But when we do encounter them, we have to sever the roots from us. We have to in whatever form that takes. Because it can't be allowed to continue to grow on God's fertile soil. This weed that we're dealing with, this is Satan's weeds. And we are God's beautiful plants. We are I'm using the garden metaphor. We are what God has created and we are growing as God intended us to be beautiful creatures in this world. But Satan's weeds are trying to attach itself to our nutrient base. And in draining us down, we tend to focus more on Satan's weeds than we do on God himself. So I go back to the plants and I and as I'm looking at this and I'm paying it I'm in putting these plants in and I'm paying attention to them. And I'm taking the plants out, for example, out of the starters, and I'm laying them on the ground, on the planting bed itself. And I'm looking at them, I'm just thinking to myself, like, wow, you know, how vulnerable they are. They're at my mercy right now. 
and how I tend to them, how I care for them in separating out their roots and carefully putting them in the ground will give them either a start or a fail. And as they get that anchor in there, then part of that next tending is to make sure that those weeds don't grow around there because the deeper the roots get, the stronger the roots get, the bigger the plant gets, pretty soon the shade of the plant puts out the weed because the weed can't grow under the shade unless it has the energy and light to be able to move in. All of this really is at the core of the sower of seeds. And we have to keep in mind that in that parable, and I'm just going to read it right now, which is Matthew 13, 13, 3. And he told them many things in parable, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up immediately because they had no depth of soil. But after the sun rose, they scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. But others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times as much. The one who has ears to ears, let him hear. Well, here's, here's the thing. This part in there about others fell among thorns. Or I would add, in our situation tonight, we have, we're growing up and thorns are moving in. It's a, it is a parasitic approach. It's a parasitic relationship, not a symbiotic relationship. And there's, again, another amazing lesson from the garden because God's world is a symbiotic relationship. We are mutually benefiting each other, and in the process, we grow. We have a loving and, I would argue, symbiotic relationship with Father because as we grow, as we develop, he moves with us and experiences the world through us. And that's a very that's the intimacy that we have with Father. That's the intimacy that we connect with Christ. And we share this experience in a beautiful way. And so it's there that I truly believe that when we lack that intimacy with Father and we simply are expecting him to point all the time, we're missing the depth of the relationship between Father and Son and Father and Daughter. Because God wants to experience our lives with us. He wants to have that amazing experience of sharing this walk. Part of that, though, we have a responsibility. And that's to nurture ourselves and not pollute the roots that we've, he has given us on this earth. So whether that's polluting it by porn or polluting it by, by things that we shouldn't do in sin or we're polluting it because we're obsessing over fear or we're obsessing, we're polluting the root system. So after a time, when we, we end up feeling empty, and so we turn to God, Father, we turn to Christ, and we say, help us, save us, fix it. But here's the thing, and we go back to the garden. There is a point where some plants just don't do well. Now, the plants, when you're nurturing the plant and you're taking care of it, and you're listening and paying attention, the plant for the most, most of the time will grow amazingly well. And that's the thing I was remarking today and how many plants do so well in the garden. And what's the big common denominator? The soil 
across the garden now is really good. And it's only going to get better each year. But it's really good right now. So even the new plants, I had lost one uh, pepper plant the other day out of 22. No big deal. But it's one pepper plant that just didn't make it. But here's what's interesting is the bugs basically ate whatever. The, we have some night earwigs that love to chomp on I hate them, but they love to chomp on leaves. And they basically ate all the leaves off of this one starter. Everything else was fine. But what that told me is that one starter was unhealthy. So I removed it. And I put in a new one today, and it, or yesterday, and it does just fine today. All the other plants are fine. And at this point, there's a couple hundred new starters in the garden. We have to take some responsibility in our lives to understand that it isn't, it isn't just saying, "I'm forgive me for my sins and having sin. It's literally that we're nurturing our soil of, of that deep relationship soil with Father. And if we want to be intimate with Father, if we want to be intimate with Christ, we have to tend to our own garden. So if we're going to be constantly angry at the LGBTQAI plus crap, and there's a lot of it. The question, and I'm saying this because tonight I just did a skim of news and I and literally was just like stunned at how much garbage is pouring out of these people. It's literally like someone opened up the floodgates of the local sewer company and it's just flooding everywhere and they're flaunting it in our face. And I sat back and went, okay, they're doing this on purpose because they're trying to one, degrade our spiritual soil, and two, they're trying to embed these pervasive weeds that are going to grow roots into us and drain us down. That's the whole purpose of this. It's, it's a garden that they're trying to attack through the mind. And in the process, it corrupts our heart, it corrupts our soul, it corrupts everything because it degrades us down and lowers our energy, and then we don't grow well. We have to start making some hard decisions as a people. One of those very hard decisions, which is not going to go over well, because I know that there are others out there that are saying things like, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm a lesbian. I'm a Christian and I'm, a, I'm gay. I'm, I'm an American conservative and I'm gay, lesbian, queer, whatever. And I have to say, okay, cool. But in the garden that I'm in, I, I, can't, I can't have any of that. And you're going to say, well, you're being judgmental. And I'm going to say, no, I'm not. Scripturally, what you're doing is not right. It's wrong. And as much as you want to adjust it or proclaim it or argue it or defend it, our worlds cannot intertwine. Because it doesn't meet any sort of standard that makes my spiritual soil healthy. This is a very difficult place for many because we have been nurtured on a soil in the church that says that we must be tolerant, we must be compliant, we must be compassionate, we must be understanding. I could go on a list of things. And the minute you take a turn like I just did, you become a extremist, right-wing, radical, probably fascist is another term they'll throw in there, Christian. No. I'm 
simply walking with God's word and I'm walking in God's world. And fundamentally, God's world, when we go back to the garden and we go back to plants and we go back to the world, it has a process of reproducing. It has a process of nurturing. It has a process of growing bold and providing fruit. It doesn't question its gender. It doesn't get confused about what, who is, what plant it's going to love. It, it is a very simple and clean relationship in a, with a purpose. But back to this world again, which is the religion of me, there's a disconnect in this whole other side of where their purpose is in life. God did not put them here, in my opinion. Maybe he did for other reasons that I don't know, but I would let me rephrase that so I'm appropriate, I'm more appropriate with it. There is a purpose that each of us have. It makes no logical sense that God would put somebody here to spend their entire life obsessing about themselves and their struggle to be identified by others. That's nothing, there's no scriptural framework for that. That's, and I go back to that. It's very simple. And what has happened with this entire movement is it has to be recognized now as equal in the eyes of God. That's ultimately what they're trying to do, though they don't say it. And because they're not, there's a temper tantrum that they're throwing over this, and a, a, a fierce one, which their attack is, then fine, we're going to go after God's children. When they, they'll say your children, our children, whatever. But it's ultimately an attack on, the, on God's children. So, we have to start making some difficult decisions if we're going to tend to our spiritual garden. And those are decisions that are based around a scriptural orientation to life. Are we going to tend to a garden with a lot of, and allow a lot of weeds to grow? Or are we going to clean the garden and let the fruit of what God's put here grow to its fullest potential? This is what we do know. It is not a question. It is a fact that when a person spends their life obsessed with porn or obsessed with sexual matters, their life becomes unhappy. They are subject to high levels of abuse. They are subject to high levels of divorce. They are subject to high levels of depression. They are subject to high levels of of just general dissatisfaction with life. Now, it's interesting to note that the highest divorce rate of any class of people is within the LGBTQAI plus movement. And I'm being very specific to use their current letter alphabet the way they want it because I don't want to miss anybody in that group. And with this, there's all sorts of crazy activities that are starting to crop up. And it's the worst of the possible worst. And things like there's whole bestiality movements that are happening now because as the access to children goes away, they're turning their energy onto animals. This is true. It just came up in the in an article today. And so what we're seeing with this group is that their true face is actually coming out. 
So all the arguments that you're hearing, just like the friendly weed that says, look on the surface how pretty I am, backed in my purple weed. And it does look nice. That ground cover really looks pretty stunning. It's, a, it's a, like a creeping uh, ground cover. And it really has a beautiful purple leaf until you pull the thing up. And man, is that root wicked because it is literally deep. That root that I, one of a small one I pulled up today had a nine inch root. That's pretty intense for a weed. And that root is down there sucking the nutrients and pulling the nutrients from the plant to limit what that plant can do. What we have been seeing here in this hijacking of God's rainbow to use the rainbow as their symbol is this whole part out here has looked innocuous. It hasn't looked that bad. We've tolerated it. We've put up with their crazy antics on their pride parades. We've seen their stuff, but it's been to themselves and they've kind of kept to themselves and whatever. But now this whole movement has exploded into the public. And what is it that they want the most? They want everybody to be like them. That's the weed. Because the weed's not satisfied until it brings the plant down. And that's the whole problem. And the fact, even the worst part about that is the weed doesn't seek to destroy the plant. It seeks to be recognized, to become dominant. And as it does, it destroys everything else. We have to tend to our spiritual garden. And we have to nurture it. We have to build its soil. And we have to literally make a rich environment for it to grow. That means that we have to make these decisions now of how to weed our garden. And we have to keep that part of it clear because our spiritual health is far more important than their desire to be recognized for their inappropriateness and sinful behavior. And this is the decisions that I'm making and I'm passing it on and I'm being opinionated on it because I do have opinions on this. I don't, it is not possible for us to constantly be inundated with their nonsense and their rhetoric and their negativity and their hatred for God's creations. We cannot coexist with that. And this is where the bifurcation is now. So, the decision each of us has to make is how you want to walk. And it's not an easy one. But all you have to do is look at Disney and realize that there's the quiet sleeper of them all that has shown the true face of this issue. That when they were told that they could not, that in Florida they could not groom kids, they went on the full heart offensive. And Disney now is allowing its people to put this sort of gender stuff in every single product they produce, which will not be limited to Disney products since Disney owns ESPN and others, you're going to see it trickle down across the entire spectrum. And they have opened the floodgates of revenge because they weren't allowed to groom kids. That's fundamentally the core of the problem. So this is, again... Kind of like, I don't know if you've ever heard of this plant, but it's called kudzu. It is a nightmare. It was brought into the country 
to grow as a high nitrogen fixing crop in the south. Well, the problem is kudzu, people didn't tend to it. They let it grow and it jumped. It jumped far beyond where it was supposed to. Now it has taken over entire forests where literally people have to go in and pull it out of the trees and cut it and harvest it. It's a mess and it kills entire forests. That's what we're dealing with. So we have to make the decision because God, again, has given us an example. Do you want your forest to grow strong? Or do you want to wither? And that's the juncture we're at. I'm going to read you just a piece here. And I, and I just, it's not directly related to this at all, but I just, it's just a passage, one of my favorite parts of a part of a speech that Teddy Roosevelt spoke. I just want to share it with you because I think it gives us the perspective of the task ahead of how we have to fight this. And so it goes like this. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails with daring greatly. So, that is his place, that, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat. Our path, I believe, my path, I walk, is to strive with that every single day with Father. And I'm not going to be one of the timid souls who doesn't understand victory nor defeat. I'm going to be the guy in the ring. I'm going to be fighting every day to build a deeper relationship with Father, to occupy this land, to do greater things, to expand his kingdom. I'm going to be the one who's going to be dealing with heirs, who's going to be marred with dust, sweat, and blood. And along the way, whatever that is, you're called whatever you are because you didn't comply, you didn't accept, you didn't embrace all those things that they're telling you you must, I could care less because I wasn't put here to be spineless and I wasn't put here to be weak. I was dropped behind enemy lines like every one of us. I was here to do a mission which God gave me in my heart and has given every one of us in our hearts. And that's the mission I'm going to fulfill. And everyone else that's not with that mission, that wants to walk on their own tune, dance to the Pied Piper's flute that Satan sings himself, they can keep dancing. A matter of fact, I'll open the door and kick him into the elevator and press the button down because I could care less. 
We'll do what we can to save as many as we can. But in the end of the day, there is a line of tolerance and intolerance. And the spiritual garden demands that. Otherwise, we won't grow to the potential we have. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you'll continue to guide us in these difficult times. We don't seek to judge. Yet, we have to balance that as you've shown us, between the paths of the narrow gate and the paths of the wide gate. In these times right now, Father, we're absolutely being inundated with the noise and confusions of gender, sexuality, the pursuit of children to groom them. And you've shown us as well that that would be better to have a millstone than to be found by you. So, Father, we're asking for that clarity of path and our steps forward to be able to nurture our spiritual garden, to grow the roots deep within that whole foundation of faith, to build a rich soil of love and compassion for your children, for each other, but to not be deceived by the promises of accepting everything to not be deceived by the processes of guilt that somehow because we choose a spiritual path that we're supposed to feel guilty about that because we're not accepting the other. To not be lured into the traps of the promises of unity when unity is at the cost of innocence and the sacrifice of children in the many forms that takes or the rejection of our elderly cast away. We, Lord, have to open our eyes to see that this path is not as easy as perhaps we would like like it to be. We have to grow up. And perhaps the growth is not going, maybe the growth makes this path easier, for maybe it isn't as difficult as we make. But forgive us, Father, if it seems at times that we're struggling on this walk For this world that we're in is trying to make everything that you've given us, everything, to turn it upside down and to turn it against us. That's not something we're going to stand for. I say that, Father, and others may or may not agree, but I say that, that I will not stand for that. I see myself in your walk, Father, as a warrior in your army and I like David see this evil and I will stand against this evil even if I have only three stones in my pocket at risk are the elderly and at risk are our children the two most precious and vulnerable classes and it is our duty to protect them and to give them voice so father with that said Hear our prayers. Give us that voice. Give us that strength of protection. And we pray that you'll open the doors that only you can open that we may now walk through and put an end to this attack and an end to this sinful behavior that's getting in our way and trying to corrupt this world. Lead us 
guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. These are very, I will be just very candid with you. In these, these are not easy conversations to have. They're, they're conflicted on many levels because we're fighting a social and cultural framework and we're trying to connect deeply with that process of faith, which is much more martial, in my opinion, than we're ever taught. And the martialness that makes it more difficult is because what we wield the most is the sword of the Spirit, as we should. At center of all of this is something that I don't think we're just accustomed to doing. So hear me out, because this is, as I close tonight, I don't want this left within a, I'm not trying to pedestalize myself in any way, but I would like you to hear this. We don't seek as a natural behavior in our culture anymore that deep, personal, intimate relationship with Christ Jesus and with the Father. And why this is so important is when we rely purely on a relationship that we have with God through a pastor or a church, we lack the intimacy of being able to hear as God would want us to hear. Each of us is a critical piece in this fight. Each one of us. Each one of us is a critical soldier on the battlefield. And the greater we all connect intimately, in no way is this a judgment on churches if you have a great church. But without seeking out that deep, personal, and intimate relationship with Christ, one that you can literally sit and have that conversation no matter where you are, having that conversation with Father directly, not reliant on the framework of how you're being told to pray in the church or how you're being told to think in the church, but an intimate, personal relationship with God and Jesus. When we have that, we start to hear what God needs us to do. He has built the most perfect of armies. They are phenomenal. It is a phenomenal army of multi-talented, multi-disciplined capability. And when you look at the gifts and talents of the many, and you put all those together, and allow your mind to imagine this, of bringing together the army of poets and not writers and artists and gardeners and engineers and bridge builders and mechanics and carpenters and hunters and nurturers and philosophers. You see, let your mind roll there a minute and imagine the millions all truly working in unison to as God leads each one. Tell me an army of evil that can stand, and I will tell you there are none. And it's that that place that we truly acquire dominion over evil. Because dominion is not just me, though I, by reading it, we have each been given that. The true dominion over evil is all of us working as we should, in my opinion, in God's blessing with God's gifts and talents to subdue this enemy from the multiple vectors that we attack it. And it's there through our 
works of glory and beauty that God gave us, dominion is completely secured over evil and we truly do crush snakes and scorpions. We can do this. But it's a, it's a pretty good, it's going to be a pretty good climb. And we'll do it, though. I truly believe it. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. I, I would just say right now, I think we all should be seeking a deeper, a prayer with a deeper relationship with Father and to hear what he wants each of us to do. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. The most amazing part that I keep coming back to in this time, in this place, is that God has us here for a reason, not just by accident. And it's not just random, and it's not just like going to church. This is a true calling of a remnant. And it's all centered on the simple direction and mission that we have. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Have a very blessed night. I will see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then, or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove That we could stand here too All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to the level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now Sits down over the hill where the lost 
got found Reaching through somehow Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud When the seasons change I know the space between us will stay the same Resting on this faith When your soul answers calls far away Thank you. 